the fire. CRT presents a hopeless world to children, okay? The world projected is a hopeless hellscape of racism, and the concepts force everything into a narrative where everyone, including the young student, is assigned a permanent role of either oppressor or oppressed. I mean, it's very divisive, it's debilitating, and it's racist in practice. So they just want to use the government to actually Mm -hmm. create equitable outcomes as if Mm -hmm. that's the solution to this. And truly, they're using racist concepts in reverse to do exactly that. Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke of the cultural confusions of the world today, talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. Hello, hello, I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. Welcome to Through the Fire, where we try to cut through the chaos of the culture today with some psychological and theological explanations and applications. Okay. So, you know, Greg... It seems like it's been ages since I've seen you in this studio to record our program. Yes, honey, it's been a long while, actually. Uh, You were where? Uh, You were in Hawaii during our last (laughs) podcast? Uh, Yes. How come I wasn't there? That's what Um, I want to know. Because I was on a girls' weekend. Yeah, girls' weekend. Well, girls' week, actually. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. I mean, it was a lovely time spent with some dear friends, Elaine and Lee. Mm -hmm. Uh, But our daughter, Devin, who is also a counselor, um, she sat in for me. And Devin and she was had a great time. She had a really great time. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was she a ple- good, pleasure to work she? with. She yeah, I good. thought so. Yeah, and, you know, I didn't know that that was the first time ever she had done something like that. Right, and wow. I, I know she did really well. So, uh, but you yourself have been traveling quite a bit, haven't you? Oh, I've been traveling a lot. I mean, people are growing more concerned with uh, the vitriol against the biblical view of life. That that just, you know, they think of it as coming out of nowhere. It's been coming for a while, obviously. But churches, schools, preschools, universities, they're getting very concerned that the Christian view of life is not only unpopular today, there are people who are fighting to make it illegal, even criminal. It's amazing. It's almost unthinkable, but but sadly, it is very real. Right, and you're out there um, helping to educate people right. on how they can advocate. So, which is a great segue, I think, into our topic for discussion today. Listen, if you are a parent or a soon-to-be parent, then our discussion today is one you really, really need to listen to. Um, we've talked about some of this previously early on before we started seeing some truly disturbing, abrasive events in mm-hmm. the headlines, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, but it's getting even more aggressive, severe, and serious. So what is our topic? Well, today it's government overreach and deception to hijack parental control of children through the classroom. Yeah, education. Yeah. yeah. Then we're going to look at the Virginia election, the recent one that we just had here, the power of parents and the importance of educational oversight choice, which I believe you, Greg, can provide even greater insight into. Yeah, that's something that I'm very uh, aware of on the Hill, and, and it does help to be informed, and, and we understand that that some of you embers uh, may be shocked <laughs> by some of the information that you hear today, but you know, there's a lot to cover, so I think we should just jump right in. I think so, too. You know, it's surreal, isn't it, to see what's happening in our nation today. Mm -hmm. So many destructive changes so quickly, um, so much deception and overreach by the government. I mean, it's really, truly frightening. Yeah, the deception is really what's also frightening. Um, Like the case of Little John versus the school board of Leon County, this is a case that's taking place in Florida, and it's parents of a 13-year-old daughter, a biological female, 
Um, and they filed a federal lawsuit against a, a Florida school district after officials at the Deer Lake Middle School secretly mm-hmm. began transitioning her into a transgender male. And mm-hmm. In other words, this is a 13-year-old biological girl who said she wants to live as a boy. Mm-hmm. The school begins allowing her to use male spaces like bathrooms, even allowing her to choose whether or not to have a male roommate for school excursions, as well as choosing which pronouns to answer to. Mm-hmm. Well, the girl's mother, uh, January Littlejohn, she acknowledges that her her daughter did talk about her gender confusion with her mother and father and expressed that uh, two of her daughter's friends were also questioning their gender right, identity. Right, right. I mean, this is particularly painful for me to watch. I mean, I viewed the mother's testimony, and here's the irony. She holds a master's degree in mental health counseling, okay. and she stated that the family had gotten a counselor, outside counselor, right, for their daughter to help her navigate the challenges and the questions she was having. And the mother, as is her right as a parent, to mm-hmm. to choose to get outside help for her daughter, spoke with one of her daughter's teachers to tell that teacher what was going on and inform that teacher that they as a family were quietly handling this within the family setting and were not affirming their daughter's position at this time. Mm-hmm. Listen, support and affirmation are two different things. I want our listeners, our embers, to know that licensed counselors are presently, right now, ethically trained not to challenge, to question the certainty of a child's statement to nonconform and to want to transition. They are required to affirm the child in their decision. Even against the parents? That's right. Listen, the adolescent stage of puberty is a time of questioning everything. Children should be able to do that. Parents and teachers should not take questions to mean the child is definitive. Listen, hormones are surging. It's not a time to start pumping kids with hormones or blockers or confusing their sense of self, parents, and encouraging them to keep secrets from their parents. Um, transitioning is complex, and it includes social, medical, and surgical procedures where individuals need the support of people who truly care about them. I mean, we need to consider how many kids maintain a transgender uh, identity into adulthood. We need to ask, can adolescents make well-informed decisions about hormonal and surgical interventions and procedures? Yeah, and also, can a school take the place of parents and start helping them make those decisions for them? I mean, this is, I know it's complex, it's serious, because there are lasting repercussions to all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the Little Johns found out that their school was secretly transitioning right. their daughter. Um, and, you know, and they found out through their daughter. When, so when the parents confronted the school, the school's response was they were following the LCS, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, non-conforming and questioning support guide, mm-hmm. uh, which expressly directs school administrators to avoid notifying the children's parents about the child's identity. Uh, gender identity, claiming that such an action could lead to the student becoming homeless. <laughs> these are these are children who, <laughs> they are not adults. Wow, yeah. And, and they're under, yeah, it's right. just crazy stuff. I mean, the school defied the parents' instruction, right? right? Mm-hmm. And, and talk about a delivering a message to their daughter that her parents might be heartless and uncaring. I mean, what the school district did is equivalent to saying that the children need to be protected from their parents right. rather than by their parents. Okay, no, that's huge, though. No, it's they, real. They were delivering that message, right? Yeah, and and guess what? When that child really, really is hurting and, and thinks her parents, the school's not going to care that's for right. that child. That's right. This gives uh, the message that parents are believed to be dangerous to their children. Right. And, and this, that, like you said, the, the school district will not care. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a horrible message to give to an already confused child who needs the support of their parents. Well, the lawsuit's really about two things, protecting the rights of parents to raise their children without the interference of government officials and two, uh, protecting and supporting the vulnerable children that are at the center of these situations. Yeah, those are great causes. I'm truly proud of the Little Johns for courageously, seriously, 
courageously pushing back and bringing these new practices and mandates in our schools into the public eye. I mean, so many people do not realize what's happening. Adolescents are quite vulnerable, fragile. So confusing them to question their own body and sense of self is psychologically damaging and disturbing. I mean, yeah. and then consider the younger children who do not even have the cognition yet to understand why some biological, mental, and emotional factors may cause individuals to want to reject and distort their bodies. Yeah. I mean, right now we have kindergartners in Connecticut being sexualized under social justice banners. It's child abuse to inflict this kind of trauma on them, especially in a social setting that um, you know represents a place of safety, knowledge, and learning. Yeah, I mean, these are people that are in authority that are doing this to your children without your knowledge, and mm-hmm. the children don't Secretly. really have the capacity to understand what's being said to them. They're no. N- they're not sexualized at, at kindergarten. Exactly. You know. So if you as a parent... Have your child come to you with a sense of confusion and or questioning themselves. I mean, please, please be a great listener that encourages them to continue sharing. Do not shame them or put them down. Do not put down their intelligence. Do not question their faith. Please practice empathy. Put yourself in their shoes. Demonstrate both compassion and strength. Lean into the scripture for strength. Deal with this as a family. Do not go share this with friends and outsiders. Right. It's just that's the worst thing you can do. I mean, most children figure this out and choose not to transition later. But a few will, you know, as they get older, move to transition. And that is the best time to make the decision when they are older and have more life behind them and are able to understand what they're doing. You know, I'm sorry I'm taking a little bit more time here, but it's just so important to me. And I want to clarify for our embers the discussion surrounding sex and gender. Let me make it easy, okay? Our sex is physical. That makes us male or female. Gender is psychological and social. So what this means is that some individuals may feel or believe that they have a gender that's psychological and social, which is different from their sex. So someone may be physically male, a male physically, right, but identify or feel more comfortable thinking of themselves as a female. This is all the more reason to wait until children are older and no longer children to make these kinds of decisions. Well, and there's a lot of confusion out there, which is causing them to make decisions about these things that are not healthy for them in the end. That's right. And and so we've got to hang in there. But we've got to be the dominant voices in their lives as those who really love them. Right, as parents. As parents, absolutely. Right, as parents, absolutely. Well, Marie, this may be a good time for you to share your information with listeners uh, about the kind of work you do, because you work with people who are going through these struggles. Right, I do. And um, I work work with adults. I do not work with children, but I can help parents, um, you know, know how to approach the child and what to do for the child and help them find uh, somebody for the child to, to speak with. Um, and if someone would, li- uh, would like to speak to me, um, they can reach out to me at Condescent Counseling. Uh, call me at 636-368-5383. That's 636 636- Three six eight five three eight three. We offer in person as well as virtual sessions. And um, why don't you give your information as well? Because you have so much information for what is going on and what is coming politically. Right, because this is becoming a highly politicized issue too. Where if you tell people that the Bible teaches that there's male and female, uh, there are ramifications to that today. We're actually protecting your right to, to preach and teach and to share the what the Scripture teaches about these issues. Mm-hmm. And, and so you can reach us at lcrlfreedom.org. That's lcrlfreedom.org. And you can visit our website, our Facebook page, or even our YouTube channel there. There's all kinds of information about these kinds of issues there for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's return back now to what we've been talking about, which is government overreach and deception to gain control of our children. 
Yeah, speaking, you know, the new practices, new mandates in the school. I mean, let's talk about what's going on around the country with groups of parents fighting back against school boards. And and again, this is about the concealment of mm-hmm. secret curricula to propagandize our, our children, whether it's through uh, critical race theory concepts or gender ideology concepts. We've we begun seeing waves of parents showing up at school board meetings, speaking up against the CRT concepts curriculum and, and the secret gender ideology curriculum. And this stuff is beginning early in our children's education, as early as kindergarten. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, so CRT states uh, that the U.S. social co- uh, institutions, for example, the criminal justice system, educational system, labor market, housing market, health care, et cetera, are laced with racism embedded in laws, right. regulations, rules, and procedures that lead to disparity outcomes by race, Right. Right. And so academicians and activists who discuss CRT say that they are not arguing that white people living now are to blame for what people did in the past. They are saying that white people living now have a moral responsibility to do something about how racism still impacts lives today. But these academicians and activists say that any policies that attempt to stifle this conversation are or an obstacle to the pursuit of an equitable democracy, which is equal outcome. Yeah, right? I mean, that's the whole issue. And first of all, they, they, there's a whole lot of causal discussion in there when it could be correlation or it could be all kinds of reasons why these things happen. And so they just want to use the government to actually mm-hmm. create equitable outcomes as if mm-hmm. that's the solution to this. And, and truly, they're using racist concepts in reverse to do exactly that. Yeah, it's bad stuff. I mean, we need to stand for equal opportunity. Equal Opportunity always. Right, but push back on equality of outcome. Right. Yeah, so applied CRT presents a hopeless world to children, okay? The world projected is a hopeless hellscape of racism, and the concepts force everything into a narrative where everyone, including the young student, is assigned a permanent role of either oppressor or oppressed. I mean, it's very divisive, it's debilitating, and it's racist in practice. Right. And it has this idea that everything is either oppressed or oppressor. I mean, there's yes. there's not hierarchies of competence, for instance, and there's not individual ability to do things and to break through on things. They, they, they deny all of these things. And that right. narrow prism is a false sense of the world right. in so many ways. So it's divisive, it's debilitating, and it actually, like I said, it's racist in reverse. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen concerned parents fighting back from New York, Texas, Florida, Connecticut, and more recently in Loudoun County, Virginia. Yes. And That's because, been a hotbed. Yeah, it's, it, it actually has, mm-hmm. um, because these parents are pushing back. Eight states, Idaho, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Iowa, etc. they've all banned the teaching of CRT. Well, the concepts of CRT. Yeah, sure. right. The concepts of it. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, by the way, for those of you, we're not saying that racism does exist. This is just the wrong solution and the wrong right. way to talk right. about it. Exactly. Absolutely. So Montana and South Dakota have denounced these teaching concepts associated with CRT. State school boards in Florida, Georgia, Utah, Oklahoma, they've, they've introduced new guidelines barring CRT-related discussions. Yes. And, and local school boards in North Carolina and Kentucky have also criticized it. So there is confusion out there. CRT CRT theory is taught in colleges and in universities, but the concepts and CRT-related discussions are taught in elementary, middle, and high schools right now, and Mm -hmm. both have an agenda to propagandize and extill acceptance of actions towards the equity of outcome. And Mm -hmm. equity of outcome, folks, is something you have to actually take away everybody's rights to get to the equity of outcome for everyone. 
mm-hmm. is a terrible way to go. It really, really is. And, and, you know, these parents are getting fed up and pushing back. Thank God. And some of the educators in school districts do not like that um, that, that, they're, they're, that they are pushing back. Mm-hmm. Some of the educators and school board members are saying they feel the parents are threatening them. Okay, listen, mm-hmm. the problem here is people can, <laughs> can claim to feel threatened by anything, even an ant. Okay? Well, microaggression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now we have the Department of Justice. This happened on October 4th, by the way, just recently, ordering the FBI, and this is taken from the Wall Street Journal, okay, to help thwart the intimidation of school officials. May I ask you right now, who is protecting and standing up for the parents who are actually being threatened and lied to? Right. There was an internal uh, email or memo that was sent out to the FBI, and this an FBI agent shared this internal email with several lawmakers. And by the way, behind the scenes and all this stuff, this was actually about a parent whose daughter was raped yes. in a bathroom. And they, and they hid a, it. A transgender. And they hid this stuff mm-hmm. from everybody. Someone and they claimed attacked to the be guy. They attacked. Claimed. Right. Right. Uh, so the U.S. Attorney Merrick, you know, he ordered the memo at a congregational hearing in October. Garland said that while he didn't have a full accounting or a record of threats to the educators nationwide, complaints from the school board officials and news reports show the problem mm-hmm. is becoming more prevalent. So he doesn't have any data, but he knows it's becoming more prevalent. Mm-hmm. So one could almost laugh at his statement considering the inaccuracy of the news reporting and the intentional concealment of school curriculum from the parents. Yeah. I mean, exactly. What else would one expect, you know, as a parental reaction to what's happening? I mean, we have to protect our children. This is a step away from what Hitler did in removing the children from their homes and indoctrinating them to, you know, turn against their parents and do his political bidding. Yeah, precisely. The tactics are an effort to silence parents who speak out at school board meetings about topics such as mask mandates <laughs> yeah. or or how race issues are addressed. Right. You know, the FBI has set up a process. This is what's scaring, you know, mm-hmm. this is scary stuff Very. because the federal government now is setting up a process to track reported threats against school board members and educators, and it's targeting parents. Mm-hmm. who protest local educational policies. Uh, just protesting can be re- uh, reported as a threat. Right. So, and, and, I, and on October 20, 20th, the FBI's criminal and counterterrorism divisions, they, they, they instructed agents to flag all assessments and investigations into potential yeah. criminal threats, potential harassment, and potential intimidation of educators with a threat tag, which the official said would allow them to evaluate the scope of the problem. Yikes. Mm -hmm. Um, The internal email asked FBI agents to consider the motivation. Again, consider the motivation. How do they do that (laughs) behind any criminal activity and whether it potentially violates federal law? And by the way, folks, most of these issues are always taken care of by local Local, law enforcement. enforcement. There's no federal crime involved in any of this stuff. So agents were to tag what they perceived as threats. Edu officials, edu, edu official is yeah, a tag to, to yeah. a better track to better track them. So again, this is Wall Street Journal stuff, but again, this is parents being tagged like domestic terrorists. Yeah, great. Now, so now we have parents who protest; they're going to be tagged as domestic terrorists. I mean, this reminds me—I don't know if you remember it—of the Tom Cruise 2002 movie, The Minority Report. Right. Yeah, that's where <laughs> agents arrest individuals pre-crime, right yeah. before they actually commit a crime. And that movie setting took place in 2054, which is not too far from now, by the <laughs> yeah, way. Maybe we're already practicing it, right? Yeah, exactly. But some of the themes of that movie included the role of preventative government in protecting its citizens, right? The role of media in the future state where technological advancements are, you know, virtually unrestricted. While that movie 
may have been fantasy. <laughs> it's no longer, uh, you know, just that. If we look at the reality of tagging and targeting that's being done by the IRS, like in the 2010-2013 during the Obama administration. Yeah. Speak out, you'll pay the price. Right. So when lawsuits were filed in federal court in 2013 by those 41 plaintiffs who accused the IRS of tagging and targeting the organization with such words as Tea Party or Patriots when they applied to the agency uh, for tax uh, status starting in 2010. Remember that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. In fact, well, yeah, because we even worry about that now as a conservative organization in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Uh, the IRS was forced to admit that it was wrong when it based screenings of applications on the names or policy positions to subject the plaintiffs to heightened security and delays and demand unnecessary information right. from them. Um, but hey, when it was all said and done, I didn't, didn't the IRS uh, express its sincere <laughs> apologies? Yeah, well, you know, they did apologize, honey. So, you know, all should be forgiven and forgotten, right? We shouldn't even be talking about this right now. Right. So now we have Attorney General Merrick issuing his directive shortly after the National School Board Association asked President Biden for federal help in dealing with threats. By who? By people. Average law-abiding citizens who are opposed to face mask mandates or the teaching of critical race theory. So, you know, again, the idea that these that counterterrorism investigations and measures are to be foisted upon protesting parents, it's crazy. So this targeting, tagging and labeling is certainly being done and it's being done to intimidate parents. You know, this is serious business. I mean, the contention between school boards and parents, I think, uh, I mean, at least it shows, really truly helped flip some of the previous blue areas red during recent elections. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. look at some of the recent election results. Let's talk about some of those. Well, it certainly did play a role. And in, in, in addition, a lot of people voted on, on ideologies rather than on race or identity mm -hmm. politics in these areas, you know, fundamental principles. You know, this year, race and ethnicity issues largely fell by the wayside. And um, mm -hmm. we actually voted on what people said they were going to do. You know, mm -hmm. the election uh, wins by Lieutenant Governor-elect Winsome Sears or Attorney General-elect uh, Jason, how do you pronounce his Miatis. name? Miatis. He's Hispanic. Miatis. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I knew he was Hispanic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, let, let me mention what Sears pushed for her campaign. She pushed for tax cuts, school vouchers, uh, abortion restrictions. She promised to defend gun rights and, and support law enforcement by raising the pay of state troopers and police officers. And, and Sears is Jamaican-born. She's a Marine Corps veteran, yes. and she didn't run specifically as a black candidate. She ran as a candidate who had experienced the American dream. Right. She downplayed her race. She downplayed her race. So, And then uh, Mediatis, is, he's the first Hispanic to win statewide in the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. uh, then, of course, we had Republican governor-elect Glenn Youngkin in a state that has been trending blue for more than a decade. So something is going on. Yeah, definitely. So yay, first of all, for cultural and ethnic diversity in groups that uphold life, family, family values and educational choice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so it looks like women and minorities do, <laughs> after all, have power in America, huh? They always have. <laughs> yeah, but that's not what people would have you think, because right. it was primarily the votes of the women who made the difference in these elections. Yes, but as we've seen, the, the so-called uh, progressive, I call them secular progressives, the yeah. enlightened, the woke educators, sure. government officials, uh, they may have lost the election, but they are unrepentant. They're still trying to control and legislate through deception. We, mm -hmm. We've never seen government overreach of this extent in the U.S. So um, that's, that's really something we're going to have to keep pushing back on. This government seems to know no boundaries, and this could be an Orwellian moment. Mm -hmm. um, are our school systems the means to keep us in our place? 
Uh, are we at a time when, as I remember the Orwell quote in 84. 1984, uh, the ni- book. The book, yeah, yeah. 1984. Uh, he said this, every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing else exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. Uh, Pick up the book 1984 if you haven't read it. Yeah, George Orwell. Mm -hmm. Really, really scary um, how much that book reflects the happenings of today. So let's look at what we can do in closing and what we have a choice and power to do. Well, Virginia showed what can be done. I mean, Virginia exposed what the secular agenda is, and it exposed their take-no-prisoners destructive tactics against honest, law-abiding citizens. So vote. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Exactly. Vote. Vote smartly. Educate yeah. yourself. And, yeah, and, and vote first fundamental hand. principles and vote platforms. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about that all the time. Exactly. And parents, listen, you have a responsibility to your children. It's the essence of being a parent. Mm-hmm. So you have the parental authority to stand up and to protect your children, and you have a say in what they are taught. Governments... School boards and other agencies do not have rights on your children. Well, again, you know, and that's a biblical principle. Um, the authority of the parents is is paramount, and we may delegate that authority uh, to other folks, occasionally to teachers or to you know. Uh, the police or things like that, but we remain free people who are free to do what is right for our families and our children, and our Constitution actually protects that. It's also a biblical Right, so notion. I was going to say, you said biblical, but it's also constitutional. No, that's what I'm saying, so, but I mean, it even goes deeper than the Constitution. Right. It's a biblical notion. Right, but it's both. But it's both, and our so the, our Constitution rightfully protects that, and our faith, of course, demands that. Absolutely. So thank you for this. This is a very important program. Yeah, a I lot hope of that stuff you all, going on. Uh, we yeah. left a lot of resources. Uh, we're putting that up right in the podcast. So you go ahead and look at those. They're very good resources. Um, they're not <laughs> fake news. They're actually... <laughs> well, this can, is just the way... This is what's going rely on, Rely on them. So you can go uh, and look at that so you can see everything that we're talking about. So you're not caught by surprise. And do remember, there are two kinds of fire in the world. Yeah, the one that burns and consumes. And the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till next time, Little Embers, I'm Marie. I'm Greg. See See you you soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media. FamilyVisionMedia.org